This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome into episode 62 of the Level Flight Podcast. Just the two of us today. I'm Brian, joined by Connor. Uh, Ellie can't join us today. Uh, as you can probably tell if you're watching on YouTube, we are recording this uh, at night. Obviously, you can tell on Connor's screen because he's standing on the corner uh, you know, of Portage right there beside the arena. So it's, yep. it's dark, but a little bit lighter than it looks like outside my window. Also, don't flame me for having my Christmas tree still up. Uh, I have not had time to take it down. So I'm I'm getting ahead of everything early. Um, yeah, we've got maybe, a, maybe yeah maybe that should be the the thing we lead off with. You know when when is it acceptable to take down your Christmas tree? Or when, when is it too late to take down a Christmas tree? Yeah, or light. I mean, like I feel like there's a a point where there's that sweet spot where if you're one of those people who takes it down like literally New Year's Day, I I'm not I'm not a huge fan. It's still the holidays at that point, especially for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I honestly think, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm personally, I, it's up longer than I'd like it to be. Um, but I also haven't had, you know, the time to dedicate the, you know, afternoon to taking it down on a weekend or something. Uh, mm. so it remains and it honestly, it's a nice little light to have in the background. So, you know, keep it festive as long as possible, but I'm assuming in the next couple of weeks, it'll be down, but we have to get one of those Christmas tree bags. Uh, right. Yes. Like, so we had to order that on Amazon, but the box that, cause it's, uh, we brought it over from my parents' place. The box that it came in was being held together by like 38 pieces of gorilla tape. So I think it's time to <laughs> figure out a new vessel. Um, when were, when, when did your tree come down? January 1st. So I, oh. this is, this is, this is, this is my take again. First of all, it's not my decision at this point, because unlike you, I'm not living on my own yet. That's a good point. Um, so th this is this is my my mom and dad's decision. Um, but my mom took took hers down January first, um, and I'm I'm kind of with that. Like if, if the decision were up to me, I think that would be the case. The only exception I'll make for this year is it wasn't cold outside until like I don't know what a week ago, two weeks ago. So if you felt like you kind of missed out on the whole festive spirit thing because it was still like plus three on Christmas Day um or whatever it was it was like minus one on christmas day that is a completely valid point leave the tree up as much as possible now it's finally cold you can be in kind of the winter spirit um because i definitely felt like i missed out on a bit of that when it was minus one on christmas day and i could go out without a toque on like what a joke i feel like i got yeah, robbed. now, the, now like... the air hurts my face yeah and like good it should hurt my face it should have been like that on christmas day anyways this is what happens when we record at night instead of in the morning we get no, Five you know what? This is of Christmas tree boosting the engagement. Here. Drop it in the comments. <laughs> yes. uh, when do you take down your Christmas tree? You know, send yes. us a tweet. Um, ask us why we're talking about this because we don't even know. Um, we don't. <laughs> but no, we we do actually have hockey to talk about today. Mm -hmm. um, a few games. Uh, some of them were just kind of kind of fly through because 
it's been kind of it's a bit more spaced out than it has been over the last while it's less condensed and uh, after this so this will come out on the thursday morning the jets aren't playing again until saturday uh, which mm-hmm. is an afternoon affair with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, is that Hockey Day in Canada? Should be. It's a Saturday. Two Canadian teams. If it's not, that's kind of a I, and I think because it's, I think it's the afternoon thing where I think it mm-hmm. they they stagger the Canadian teams throughout the day. I think for for that, but uh, but yeah, that's the next game after this. So it's kind of kind of a bit of a break here, which is they haven't had in a very long while. But uh, let's jump back to last week, uh, last mm-hmm. Thursday, I believe. Um, yep. where the Jets uh, came away with a victory against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, the most important thing about this is this set the franchise record for win streak. Uh, so that was yeah. the uh, eighth win in a row. Um, but the thing that was about that one, it, the the Jets were trailing for most of this game. Uh, yeah. And they... it was one of those ones where it, the deeper it got, I got terrified because it's like, you can't, lose this to the Hawks without Bedard. Uh, But, you know, three minutes or so left, Velarde ties it up, and then Nikolai Ehlers, Mm -hmm. the minute five left in the third, you know, wires one past Peter Morazic, gets the win, hypes up the crowd. It's the loudest I've heard the crowd in a while. Um, And, uh, yeah, that was really the, you know, the the height of that game was the last, like, four minutes. any other thoughts on it, Connor? Well, honestly, you know, you look at the last game they played against the Hawks where Bedard scored the two goals and the Hawks won. You think of Peter Morazic, like, here we go again. He's going to shut out the Jets because of course he is. Because here's a random goalie that has the Jets number. And I know he hasn't been too bad this year, actually. But again, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Jets at the time were like the top team in the NHL. Right now, they're the top team in the NHL by points, percentage points. So... Again, you should beat the Chicago Blackhawks uh, without their number one draft pick. Uh, and they ended up doing that. But like you said, yeah, with five minutes left, I was definitely panicking. But Nikolai Ehlers, Gabe Velarde. Gabe Velarde's goal, I asked Rick Bonus about it because um, Shifley goes down in this game as well. That's another thing to note. Uh, and He's still out day-to-day with a lower body. But Adam Lowry feeds Gabriel Velarde. I asked Rick Bonus about it because Velarde seems like he's always open in front of the net. Um, I made the comparison, I think, on Winnipeg Sports Talk that he's like a, an NFL wide receiver in one-on-one that you just throw the ball to all the time because you just know he's like open. and like when, yeah, when when, when uh, it's like Justin Jefferson in one-on-one on the outside, it's like when Velarde is tied up in front of the net, you can just throw the puck there because you know he's gonna pop away at the perfect time and be wide open for a backdoor tap, and you just it, it's in his DNA, the timing is there. And uh, that goal was perfect. But yeah, franchise record winning streak. And then uh, it didn't get extended into Saturday. But those last two goals, like you said, the loudest I've heard the building this year, I think sold out crowd. A lot of people were expecting, but didn't get it. But the crowd still made themselves heard. It was it was a great game. Great last five minutes. I'm not going to say a great game because the first 55 were pretty, pretty bleak. But the last five minutes, electric um, and the Jets. Yeah, franchise record winning streak. There was a lot of work packed into those last five minutes because you thought the jets would lose and then bang bang they went bang bang as dennis back would say oh which uh i don't think we said it happy retirement dennis yes uh, we didn't say it well, so uh, good, good call yeah he uh retired uh over the christmas break uh after he finished up on uh, his group b uh assignment for tsn at the world juniors so uh yeah he called a lot of incredible moments over the years that he was with uh, the jets so 
you know, happy retirement. I'm sure we'll see him someplace at some point. Um, Absolute legend. You will have heard his voice at the start of this episode because our intro has a goal call from him. Um, and yeah, I, I personally don't want to go too far down this, but I personally associate a lot of the Jets memories, their first couple years to Dennis Bayak and what that atmosphere in the arena was like. So happy retirement to an absolute legend. And from what I've heard, I've never met him, but from what I've heard, one of the nicest people um, you'll ever meet. So happy retirement. Yeah, that's to what I've heard too. So Mr. Bayak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on here, uh, as we said, uh, less, less of an exciting game on all fronts. Uh, so the Saturday night against the Flyers um, come into this one. Uh, no Mark Shifley. Uh, he's out uh, for, I mean, we, we still don't know exactly how long he's out for. He's eligible to return Saturday uh, against the senators um, because they placed him on IR retroactive to this game. So he's eligible to return at any point now, but we'll see. But Start the game with uh, Adam Lowry as the top line center. Um, yep. Stayed that way for the game against the Islanders. Uh, it was one of those games where kind of a nothing game. Like it was unfortunate. They they the Jets ended up losing uh, two nothing. They got shut out by Samuel Erson. Um, they threw thirty five shots at him, so it wasn't as if they were just kind of being run over, but. It was one of those games that, yeah, they gave up the two goals, um, didn't end up scoring, but uh, they put the shots at the net, but there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think Gabriel Velarde, uh, bringing him up again, but he had, I think, four or five grade-A chances in this game, didn't score. Urson was incredible for Philly. Second out of a back-to-back for Philly, and they they were fighting. I mean, John Tortorella has his teams playing hard all the time, we know that, but it was a great game inside like two, nothing doesn't really do it justice. It was a great game. And what impressed me the most was the third period push. I thought the jets, the jets were admittedly bad in that second period. Rick bonus would admit. So um, he even said so in the post game. And then that third period, they were all over Philly in their zone, um, putting shots to the net, great chances denied would hit block a shot there, hit a post there. Um, and again, it just kind of didn't bounce their way. Uh, Gabriel Velarde said they could have done more like getting in the goalie's eyes, things of that nature. But I think this was a fine performance. And I said, uh, I said a few days ago, like I've never seen Jets Twitter so content with a loss. And it's like, yeah, they obviously, because they're coming off of a franchise record setting winning streak. So if you lose, it's like, eh, whatever. Um, but they looked clearly gassed as a team in that second period. No Mark Shifley, no Kyle Connor. Um, and they still found a way to like have a great third period push and and arguably outplayed the Flyers through the in, in entirety of the game. If you look at the metrics, that would that would be the story. And Jets Twitter was fine. They're like, eh, time to start a new streak. And it's like that's the mentality fans should have because um, if we started overreacting to losses, it would have been a little bit a uh, little bit concerning coming off a franchise record winning streak. But I like the push in the third. A lot of people did. Rick Bonus didn't like the second period. A lot of people didn't, and uh, yeah, they they lost a game. So be it. It was bound to happen. Yeah, and it was the first game since 2016 where the Jets were missing Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. Really? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. So that's crazy. There's think. been points where they've been without for a little, but um, yeah, that was the first time where both of them were out since 2016. Um, but as you said, like. It was one of those things where it what really mattered was not this one, but the next game to see how they responded to their first loss in eight. 
uh, and they came out with a win. Um, and more importantly, Kyle Connor uh, returned a full week ahead of the lower end of his schedule for his knee injury uh, and, uh, you know, helped the Jets to a, a 4-2 win over the New York Islanders. Yeah, and yeah, that was the story of the game. I mean, Kyle Connor's coming back early. They say six to eight weeks. Who knows if that's really what, like maybe it was really four to six and they were just being extra cautious with the timeline so that they didn't have the pressure of, oh, like with Gabe Velarde, it was a thing. It was four to six weeks and then they hit the six-week mark and he still wasn't back and people were like, oh boy, did he have a setback? Like what's going on here? So maybe with Kyle Connor, they're just like, eh, say two weeks later and uh, it'll just ease the pressure. But um, I find it hilarious. This has nothing to do with with the game. But one bone I want to pick with with just fans and this one statement. I hope they're not rushing Kyle Connor back too soon and he gets hurt. I have a major bone to pick with that. Like you are not on the medical staff. You do not know what his injury really was. What if it was really a four week injury uh, and they said six to eight just to be extremely cautious because guess what? He's their leading goal scorer and he still was when he came back into the lineup. Um, what like. I just don't get. Also, I like, don't get that that sentiment. Contextually, that does not make sense. The Jets are the top of the league and essentially would have to go on like yeah. a ten-game losing streak to even bring them closer down at the playoff line. Uh, it's they're not even at the All-Star break yet. Uh, yeah. Like I could, I could see maybe Galaxy branding it a little bit. You, you're like maybe they're they're falling back late in the season, uh, and you know they need a push. You could maybe even make the argument of maybe he came back a little bit earlier than expected. Then this is just him just recovering in the time frame that they probably saw for him, and they were just being cautious. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's like it's not a conspiracy, the, folks. Yeah, the, uh, he has to be medically cleared by a doctor. He has to be medically cleared. Like you think they just run him out there if he if he's not okay? Like I just I that's just mind boggling to me. It's just mind boggling. It's like listen, oh Gabriel, we're, we're not having. Like, we're uh, not having any sort of conspiracy theories about, you know, the medical staff on the Jets now. No, we're not, we're, we're not ESPN. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, that was one thing that kind of pissed me off about this game is people saying that coming in. Oh, I hope he's not rushing back. It's like they're first in the league. They have a huge cushion. They have like the highest odds of any team in the NHL to make the playoffs. If you think the Jets are rushing him back, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because the, the, it would make zero sense contextually, like you said. As for the actual game, um, Connor Hellbuck was great. I thought throughout. I thought the Jets definitely could have lost this game if he didn't make a few big saves, especially in the third period where New York made a push. Um, but again, they bounced back. They battled. Uh, I tweeted out at the end of the second that the Jets had three of the weirdest goals I've ever seen in uh, in 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 a row. First goal goes off of Gabriel Velarde's knee and into the net. Um, second goal is Neil Pionk after Ilya Sorokin's skate blade pops off and he can't move. He's literally swimming in the crease trying to move over. And then the third goal, Mason Appleton snaps a 25-game goal drop by poke-checking the puck off of a defenseman's stick and into the net. Uh, he said after the game, he wasn't even trying to shoot. He just was poke-checking and the puck ended up in the net. So... Three really weird goals. The fourth goal, Kyle Connor and empty netter. Who else score the empty netter? But but the guy in his first game back, who the king of empty netters, um, either him or, or Shifley. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought it was a great performance throughout. And uh, New York was was a desperate team, but they they kind of shut them down late in the third there, and Hellbuck made some big saves. Yeah, the the 
Islanders had lost the night before uh, against the Wild 5-0. Sorokin got pulled. So you're coming off this game where you get absolutely blasted by a bad team. Uh, And you could tell, especially like, I would say the second period especially, um, you had a very different Isles team. And then rolling into the third, uh, the momentum swung. And it was definitely, it was all Islanders there for a bit. Uh, but it was one of those games where it just felt like everything was making it to the net. Both teams had 30 plus shots. Um, yeah. It felt like both goalies were kind of just all over the place. Um, but no, like, and I, I will say this, and I have been vocally, uh, you know, opposed to a lot of the decisions defensively that Kyle Connor makes. And I wasn't going to be uh, talking about any of his defense or his effort or anything playing his first game in five weeks. But I will say this. I actually thought on the defensive side of the game, Kyle Connor looked good in his first game back. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like his his play at the blue line there to you know jar the puck loose and get the uh, the empty nether there was a really good way to cap off the night. But I actually thought that positionally in some of his gaps, I really actually thought that Kyle Connor had a decent defensive effort, which is something I haven't said a lot in the past. But who knows? Maybe maybe this is some sort of turning point for him. I don't know, but like I'll, I'll take what I can get. Uh, and I'm sure at some point or another, I'll be looking at him under a microscope again. Yeah. I mean, he's giving him some leeway. Yes. To be, uh, and yeah, his first game back in five weeks, but to your point, he spent five weeks watching the best defensive team in the NHL from a bird's eye view. Right. So he, like when he was out, did the jets give up more than three goals once? No. Have they given up more than two goals in how many games, like 12, 12 13 games now we'll get into the streaks at the end i've got them in a separate document just not on my laptop right now but he's he's watching these guys buy in and he's probably thinking to himself okay when i come back um i've got to be more responsible defensively or i've got to be stronger along the wall or whatever the case may be and yeah i agree with you first for his first game back in five weeks he looked incredible he was he skated what game was that the flyers game the morning skate he skated that morning and i thought he looked like his regular self like he was flying out there at morning skate obviously he knew he wasn't playing so he had no nothing to conserve his energy for but he looked great and then the game tonight he didn't look um he didn't look uh rusty at all which was really impressive and he had some nice plays to gabriel velarde who once again that's this every game we've covered here he had a ton of chances that uh that didn't go in but at least in this one he got rewarded uh, as a puck hit his knee and went in probably his worst chance of the three games but that that one ends up in the net. That's just like hockey for you. But yeah, those those three games, three kind of low scoring games. Uh, the Jets don't give up goals. Uh, they didn't in these three games, and I, I liked their effort in all three. Yeah, uh, and as you said, like they extended their you know defensive streaks, and we're gonna get into that more. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about those streaks. We're going to talk about the guy in the crease who's helping keep those alive some nights. Uh, And then uh, we'll circle back on the whole Kyle Connor thing uh, because he did, uh, his return did shuffle some lines, uh, which Mm -hmm. has raised some eyebrows, I know, among us. Uh, But uh, we'll be right back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll, We'll be right back after we hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet $5 on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Welcome back into episode 62. And we didn't say this at the beginning, and I've been thinking about this for weeks. Um... Episode 62 of the Level Flight Podcast was something that came up at the uh, when we weren't recording an episode. Um, right. And a really, really weird fact that I discovered. The number 62 for the Winnipeg Jets has only been worn twice. But the weird thing is, both players who have worn that number have the initials NN. Obviously, Nino Niederreiter, uh, wearing it right now. But... Uh, former defenseman for the Jets, Nelson Noje. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little little trivia. <laughs> if if you hear that question at a, a local sports bar, now now you got it. You're good to go. That's it's, I just found it so strange. Like it's such a weird like having the double N as the yeah the initials for the the only two players who ever worn the number for the Jets. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of those things that you look at and you just kind of. You don't necessarily pay attention to it at first, but I was we were every episode we kind of try and associate it to someone. And uh, last week was the first episode that didn't have a single player who's ever played yeah. for Thrasher's Jets with uh, sixty one. Um, so I mean, sixty three. You've got options. It's the Ben Sherrod episode before he changed his oh, number. Right? Uh, yeah. It's it starts to get dicey now. You get into the sixties. You get into the seventies. It's definitely. A little dicey. I mean, the '90s it picks back up. Um, yeah, you got you got some guys in the '90s for sure. But well, all I know is that we're going to make Elliot host episode 64. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Great call. I wonder. I wonder why. I wonder who wears 64. Anyways, I wonder. Let's, uh, and and make him host 67 for that matter. Um, just oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Okay. Back on topic here. Uh, yeah. We ended off the uh, the first half of this episode before we heard from uh, DraftKings, which thanks again to DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. Um, we ended off with chatting about the fact that the Jets maintained their defensive streaks. Uh, Connor, I know you have a document open with all of the amazing facts about this. Uh, I'll let you take this. Yeah, I, I okay. I tweeted out a few things earlier today, um, and there, there's the 33 straight games now. I believe that they have allowed three goals or less. Um, and as we know, the modern day record is 2014-15 set by the Minnesota Wild. And that was 35. Um, so the Jets, they play Ottawa, they play Boston, and then they play the Leafs twice. Um, they can they can set that record if they, if they keep it going through this road trip. And I, I guess they don't even need the home game against the Leafs. 
um, just this upcoming road trip. So we'll see. But they're setting another streak now. Um, and for those on YouTube, I'm going to try and share my screen here while I, while I explain it. But now it's two goals or less. They're setting their own streak. Um, and it is 13 straight games, allowing two goals or fewer. Um, there's only a handful of teams in front of them that have done this all time. And I do know out of the teams on this list, four of them went on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, so the number one team on the list, Los Angeles Kings, 2013-14. They went, what is that, 18 straight games, allowing two goals or fewer. They won the Stanley Cup. Canadians, back in 1959, um, they went on to win the Stanley Cup. And the Bruins in the 30s, the late 30s, and then the Rangers in the late 30s, early 40s. Those two teams also won the Stanley Cup. But again, that's like the Canadians, Rangers, and uh, Bruins are in like the, the black and white. Like they, they were playing, um, you can see the color of their jerseys back then. So um, <laughs> I don't really I mean, count that. Flames that. team there too uh, <laughs> went to the cup final and lost to Tampa. Right. But they didn't really. Right. That was a goal for the record. Any Flames fans yeah. listening to this, that was a goal. And I stand by that. Um, there you go. But no, it there's a clear correlation though with long-term success for teams that do this. Yeah. And there's the, the old adage, you know, defense wins championships. Um, and another thing here, hold on. I, I tweeted out this stat, um, looking at the league averages of, you know, just like scoring in general, when these, when these records kind of took place, first one was this year, the Winnipeg jets, the average goals against average for goaltenders this year is 2.93. And the average save percentage is 904 back in 2013, 14, when the Kings, uh, went 18 straight games. The average goals against average was 2.56, and the save percentage was 914. So scoring is up, goaltenders are worse, and the Jets are still on this list. Um, and just for reference, Hellbuck's numbers this year 2.9, 2.19 goals against average, 925 save percentage. We'll get into him and his, you know, Hart Trophy, Vesna Trophy legitimacy in a second. But I found that super interesting that. The Jets are still on that list. They're still setting all these records. And even a decade ago, like literally a decade ago to the season, uh, scoring was down and like save percentages and goals against averages were up. That's when the Kings did this. Now in the McDavid era, in the Bedard era, whatever you want to call it, um, when scoring is up league-wide, power plays are up league-wide, the Jets are still doing it. They're close to setting the three goals or fewer record. Um, and like, let me let me get this clear before I throw it back to, to your thoughts. If they don't end up setting these records, it doesn't really matter. Like these, these it's already been so impressive uh, what they've done to this point that uh, whether or not they end up with 36 games allowing three goals or fewer or uh, or they get pumped by Ottawa on Saturday, I don't really think it matters. They've already done the, the good work, if you will. Um, and getting on that list with a bunch of teams from the 60s and the LA Kings from 2013, um, who when scoring was down and they ended up winning the Stanley Cup, I, I think that's just incredibly impressive. But what are your thoughts on on the just the incredible run of the the historic run of defensive play from from the Jets? As you said, like it's one of those things that if they if they gave up gave up four goals against Ottawa on Saturday, no one's really gonna be like, oh man. That so that soils the whole thing. Shouldn't even set the set the record. Yeah, like what's the point? Yeah, because that's the but, thing. No one's gonna care if the Jets win six four. 
Right. Yeah. Because let's be real, you're you can easily put six past Ottawa goaltending. Yes. So that that's what really matters here. And as you said, we've gone so far into this now where regardless of what happens or whenever this ends, because at some point or another, someone's gonna put up four on you. Like someone's gonna have they're an not off going, night. They're not going the rest of the season, allowing three or less, or two or less I mean, for that matter. Like, which put me on record. Uh I'll do anything if, if like, <laughs> if they go the rest of the season and, you know, what, if they go the, the whole season at this point, like, essentially, it's like at that point, you're about 75, 80% of the games, you've allowed three goals or less. Uh, I will debut uh, a clean shaven Brian on the podcast. Oh, Okay. Okay. I don't, I mean, that's the thing. Like we, we, we still got the whole all-star break coming up. I'm confident that it probably won't happen, but I'd be happy to, uh, to shave all of this off, which I don't think I've been clean shaven in probably three years. Um, okay. Just, okay. I think the last time I was, we were still recording without video in studio. Cause I, th- I <laughs> yeah. think I, I brought it right down. I didn't clean shave it, but the closest mm-hmm. I got was when we weren't on camera. But right. no, that that's my my promise to you, uh, to the level flight listeners. I will shave my beard uh, if the Jets go the remainder of the games without giving up any more than three goals. If they go, what do they have? Like forty? No, they they've passed the forty mark. They've got like thirty nine games left or thirty eight, yeah. something like that. So they have to and set. You know what? Connor promises to actually grow a beard. Actually, I couldn't promise that even if I tried. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll maybe pump the brakes on that. But yeah, I think I think you've got nothing to worry about. Just like the franchise record winning streak, this is bound to end at some point. Um, but I'd so be happy. I'd be so happy to shave my beard oh, yeah. if it stayed. Oh yeah, just kind of enjoy the ride right now because this is a historic defensive team, uh, and it bodes well for what they're going to do in the playoffs. And uh, and Rick Bonus is heading to the All Star game. Um, I guess that's one thing we forgot to mention in the in the game recaps. Um, but this is why they've allowed three goals or fewer in 33 straight, two goals or fewer in 13 straight. This is the system. Like this roster is the same except for Velarde and Ayafalo. And yes, we like Velarde, Ayafalo, and even Kapari to an extent, who hasn't been in the lineup much. We like their defensive game, but they are not the difference between the Jets being a 90 point or 99 point wildcard team and a top of the NHL all like historic defensive team. This is not what this is. This is Rick bonus. This is the coaching staff. This is Connor Hellbuck playing out of his damn mind. Um, and this team is, is historic defensively. So whether they set the record or not, I, I, my point is I think the damage has already been done and they've already proven yeah. to the hockey world, how dominant they are in their own zone. I don't know if you, if you agree with that. Oh, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think the thing is, too, is we're also seeing the benefits of giving Connor Hellebuck these nights where he's not as insanely active. Because I feel like in the last few years, um, he's the reason that we're giving up fewer goals. This mm-hmm. year, it feels like, for the most part, we're not giving up as many goals as because we're not making him have to stand on his head every night. That being said, there are some nights, like I'll be honest, like the, uh, the Islanders game felt like the first game in a while where it felt like they got a little bit out of their system. Mm. Um, but there was Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. So yeah. It, like, it feels like if they do ever get out of that, which they will occasionally, um, 
Hellebuck's there to bail them out. And honestly, to an extent, so is Laurent Brassois. Brassois has yeah. really pulled it together uh, after a very rough start, which is the same case for Hellebuck, which obviously one is playing significantly more games and has played out of his mind now for like two full months. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's one of those things where uh, I don't think people realize how different this team is from last year because there's still people talking about the whole, uh, well, they collapsed in January. We saw a team that was riding goaltending and uh, unsustainable scoring last year. Mm -hmm. They got cold uh, and you can't put it all on Connor Hellebuck because uh, if you have to make 30, 35 saves every night, um, you're going to let some of those in. This team is doing it so much more sustainably. They're keeping Connor Hellebuck less busy. They're, you know, they're scoring by committee. Like they're, you look at uh, like the Vancouver Canucks, for example, which they're doing incredible things out on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, but they have like five guys in the top twenty in NHL scoring. I don't, I don't think the Jet, Jets have one. Yeah, Cal Connor was up there, but obviously he's hurt now, and they went on this long run without him. Um, but yeah, I like they're scoring they're by committee. Yeah. Like the highest scorer on the team is 41 points. That's Mark Shifley. If you're talking yeah. active players, it's a tie between Josh Morrissey and Nikolai Ehlers with 33 points. They're not having issues scoring them. That's the thing. Like they're no. still putting up right. goals. Everyone's doing it. Cole Perfetti is the fourth highest scorer on the team. And that's been a welcome addition. You got Kyle Connor who missed all this time and he's still the fifth highest scorer. You got Nino putting up, you know, 20, 30 points. Like it, it's one of those things where, they're doing it such a different way this year that you're also seeing too, they banked so much like of a point total in the last month that, as I said, it would take something monumental to do something to this team that would drop them out of a playoff race. Uh, even if they, that's the thing, like obviously there's a certain level of attention and notoriety you get if you finish at the top of the league and there's something cool yeah. about that. And like having yeah. that president's choice trophy, I don't think the curse exists a lot of people do, but I think <laughs> what you'd look at though, is the fact that they don't have to finish top of the league to still finish top in the central. And yes. like the, the West is kind of all over the place. The East is even worse for being kind of chaotic. Um, it feels like there's teams in the West that are sitting like 20th in the league standings, but are like one point back of a wild card spot. Yeah. So yeah, and you have such an incredible opportunity here to just keep playing your game and not get discouraged because the rest of the West is kind of all over the place. And you were so, you know, solidified in your spot right now that I wouldn't worry. Yeah, I, I agree. And a, a few things. First off, I believe if my ears did not mistake me, you called it the president's choice trophy. And I found that hilarious. Um, oh, did I? <laughs> It's the, yeah, I mean, let's be real. President Galen Price. Weston probably yeah. bought it. Now he's going to upcharge teams to get it. So, listen, this is this no, is an anti-Galen like, Weston podcast. When I heard that, I was like, "President's choice." Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yes. First thing. Yes. Second thing. Um, let's not kid ourselves. The Jets hit a crazy PDO slump last year. Like you see what the Canucks are doing right now with their PDO, and you might see um, that they're overshooting their their expected goals and their goaltending is incredible. That's what the Jets were last year. And then they hit a massive slump and it all regressed. Um, and we even sat here on this podcast and 
all three of us took the Jets to beat Vegas in round one because we still believe that the PDO would correct itself um, for the playoffs and this team and the team was good enough. And obviously they weren't, I, I think they had too many injuries to overcome in that series, but we still believed because it was just a PDO slump. And it was like, we saw it in the first half, maybe Hellebuck gets hot. Maybe the PDO kind of reverses itself and the Jets will be just fine. Um, again, they could go through a, a nasty PDO slump this year as well, but I'm not betting on it. And um, neither should you. This team is legit for all the reasons Brian just mentioned, um, the way that they're doing it, it's sustainable and the defensive streaks. And let's get to Connor Hellebuck because we've brought him up a few times. Um, and uh, we reached out earlier today for some some questions, um, if if you will. And, and Neil, um, who runs a great podcast on the Devils under the Hockey Podcast Network, so go check that out. Um, also writes for has, uh, the Hockey Writers. Yes, he does. Yes. Um, one of our biggest supporters, he's always retweeting our stuff, liking our stuff. Big shout out to him. Um, he asked what the legitimacy we think for for Hellbuck being a heart candidate. Um, and obviously, we're kind of biased to this, but obviously we think he's the favorite for the Vesna. I think nationally, he's the favorite for the Vesna. It's either him or Thatcher Demko. Um, but now, whenever you're the favorite for the Vesna, people always say, well, what about the heart? Like, what if, you know, we could kind of creep in there? Um, I'll, like, get your thoughts on this first, and then I'll I'll roll through my thoughts. But um, what are your what are your thoughts on potential MVP consideration for for Connor Halbach? I think with me, and it, I would love nothing else than to have him as the MVP. But we also have to realize that in the however many years that they've been awarding the Hart Trophy, there have been seven goalies who have ever won it, and one of them did it twice. That was Dom Hashik. Well, hasn't there only been one in the last? What would that be? Twenty-three years too since Hashik, and it was just Price. In uh, there, uh, there was one between. There was one. Jose Theodore, um, right? Okay, and I think O two. Um, okay. I remember so that from the the quiz that we did. Uh, yes. Which, if you're uh, if you're on YouTube, I'll link that at the end of the video. Go watch that. Um, but no, That's and then it was Price in fourteen fifteen. Um, and the thing that I want to sort of say is like I, I I do legitimately think that you could make a case for Hellebuck to be named an MVP. But I think the issue, though, is the fact that everyone agrees that this year he's having to do less work in the net. Yeah. I think that's his, the biggest issue with this. In years past, if the Jets were this successful at this point, um, with the defensive system that you had seen from them, I would say 100% I would label him as a front runner. But... Everyone has been saying it like this is the, the easiest that it has been for Hellebuck in a, like years. And I, I do think, though, like you, you have to look at some of the numbers, uh, his numbers at this point through the season, they are looking somewhat comparable to Carey Price in 2014-15. Uh, Hellebuck already at 5v5. He has, let me open this up here, 20.1 goals saved above expected. In 2014, in through the entire season at five on five, Carey Price had 29.6. Yeah, so like, and and Price that year, I I'm I'm keep an eye out for this. I'm writing a piece right now on this very topic on whether or not Hellbuck is a should be considered for the heart. And Price obviously is the most recent goalie to win it, so you're going to compare him to him. His 
stats, I believe, was a 933 save percentage and a 1.96 goals against, which is absurd. Absurd. But Hellebuck, like I said earlier in the episode, 925 save percentage, 2.19 goals against. So he's getting there. And uh, I tweeted this out earlier today, but his numbers since the beginning of December, um, and if he if he were to stay on this pace, um, it would be it, he he would exceed those numbers because since the start of December, he's twelve one and two. He's got a one seventy four goals against average and a nine forty one save percentage, and he's allowed two goals or fewer in fourteen of fifteen starts. The one start he gave up three was the Montreal overtime power play winner. Um, so the way he's played since the start of December, since he's shed kind of that slow-ish start that you talked about earlier, he's been better than Price was that year. Um, so if he yeah. if he stays on this trajectory, the numbers will be similar. The Jets will be a top, what, three team in the NHL at the absolute minimum if he stayed on this trajectory. Uh, and his numbers will be very comparable. The goal saved above expected. He'll pass 29 with ease. He's done that in the past. His Vesna year, I think he had over 30. Um, so I, I think he's definitely a lock for the Vesna, but if this keeps up, um, you could get some serious traction and some serious votes for him for the heart. Well, there are arguments against, um, I want to get your thoughts on kind of the, the arguments for, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can say with absolute certainty that he is the most valuable jet. And yes, well, if. I mean, I would still think so. Like, with yeah, the, it's, it's the scoring... him or Morrissey, in my opinion, because Morrissey yeah. that back end without Morrissey might not look great. But then again, the goaltending might not look great without Hellebuck. So, <laughs> I think it's yeah. Hellebuck. Now that now but, that I gave it a second to think, it's it's definitely Hellebuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's he, it's been that way for the last five years, if not longer. Yeah. Um, and I I truly think that if if you look. If you put it this way, if he's the most valuable player on the Jets and the Jets are the best team in the NHL, there's a legitimate argument there. Yeah. Um, and I know you asked me for my my arguments for, but I also I couldn't remember if this was the year. We have to also think about the fact that Price won it in a year where the NHL's highest scorer had 87 points. Yeah. So there's no clear cut like Connor McDavid scored 160 points. Um, give it to him or Austin Matthews scored 70 goals. Uh, like you're, you're getting to a point where it's like there, it's easier to name a goalie, the heart winner when there's not like some dude doing otherworldly things on the offensive side of games. Um, and just to put it into perspective, Jamie Ben had 87 points at the end of that season to win the art Ross. Um, Nate McKinnon has 72 points already before the all-star break. (laughs) Oh, and that that actually proves my point earlier about the 2013-14 Kings. If you want to know where yeah. scoring was at and uh, and what the Jets are doing now compared to what it was like back then. But yeah, I agree with Hold you. On, I'm looking for the 2013-14 scoring leaders to see who led the league that year. While you search that up, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on this because there are players... I don't think he should be the front runner. I think he should be in the conversation. Um, yes. Guys ahead of him, McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, um, and it's it's a player's award. Let's not kid ourselves. Like there's a reason only one goalie has won it in the time that I've been alive on this earth. And uh, it's because it's a player's award and they, they just usually give it to the guy uh, with the most points. They take home both the R Ross and the heart and everyone's happy and uh, see you later. Um, and Nathan McKinnon, I think this year 
if the if the season ended today, I'd give it to McKinnon. Colorado's depth is absolutely terrible, and the fact that he's he's playing this well and kept them afloat and kept them second seed in the Central, top five in the NHL. Yeah, uh, I think McKinnon McKinnon should be the absolute front runner. But he the question is me. about consideration. Yes, the question is about consideration, and Hellbuck definitely deserves that. And he, I, I think oh, I would say so. Fringe top five if the season ended today. He gets votes. One hundred percent, he gets votes. Um, Maybe not first place votes, but votes. I he'll, think he'll, he'll, you'll see him on the list yeah, when they release sure. the voting. Um, also, for the record, 2013-14, only one player crested the 87-point mark. Uh, oh. And that was uh, Sidney Crosby, who won the heart that year with 104 points. See, like, McDavid put up how many points last year? And so, uh, so it one was player close to has, 160, wasn't it? It was it was over 150. I know that, but one player passed 87. They got over 100. Second high. Do you have like a list there? What was second highest? Because my my, my point here that is year? just getting better by the by the stat. Yeah, by t- for 2013 14 because Ryan Getzlaff had 87 points. See, like, and then Claude Giroux, who uh, shout out Giroux. Which whenever we do a trade talk. Thing. <laughs> yes. His name comes up among Jets fans. I don't know if it's feasible or not, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Tyler Sagan, Corey Perry, Taylor Hall, Phil Kessel. Uh, but that's the thing. Only seven players were at 80 points or higher. Yeah, like there's going to be so many players above 80 points this year. That's It's just crazy. I'm, I'm, and... I'm going into last season to see how many were above the 80 mark because it feels like there was a lot yeah. last year. While you do that, I'll continue to ramble. Um, this... This just proves, like, not only does it prove what the Jets are doing defensively, but it also proves our point for Hellbuck deserving heart consideration. Because, like we said with the Islanders game, there are games where the Jets get out of structure. They get out of system. It doesn't happen often, but it'll happen for a period. It'll happen for maybe two periods, and Hellbuck will slam the door, uh, and and this streak is stayed alive. You don't get to 33 games allowing three or fewer without elite goaltending, without the best goalie in the world. Um, and that's what he is. And if these streaks, if they break these streaks, it's a testament not only to the system, but to Hellebuck. Uh, so th- all these stats that you're bringing up are not only proving the point about their defensive dominance, but especially what Hellebuck's been able to do. Well, it's just addressing the state of the NHL too, where you see all of up. these guys that are just insanely productive, uh, yeah. where last season, 31 players crested the 80 point mark. 28 of those were a point per game. Yeah. Um, But like uh, you also saw 11 players, a hundred points or more. Let's just add to this. Five uh, were above uh, 110 and two were above 120. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you're not seeing those numbers very often. Like it's been years since we've seen that. Like I'm trying to remember the last time you had multiple 110 plus scores. You'd have to go back for sure. Uh, uh, did Ovi and Sid do it at one point in the 2010s? Maybe, maybe at the peak of their powers. Um, uh, yeah, but that that's crazy to think about how how much scoring is up and how good the how yeah. well the Jets have played and how defensively sound they've been. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Do we have anything else on Hellebuck? I mean, this is. I mean, we could talk about Hellebuck for an entire episode itself, but I feel like it's a good time to kind of move ahead here. Yeah, we 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 definitely could get into um, 
you know, next thing you start talking about a statue, you know, I, uh, I mean, hey, if this keeps up and uh, if the Jets ever win a Stanley Cup and Connor Hellbuck's the goalie, I think he, the statue is mandatory. Yeah. Mandatory. Um, also, there's something I forgot to bring up that I feel needs to be mentioned. At all situations in 2014-15, the fifth highest goal saved above expected, Andre Pavlik. <sighs> Pavs. <laughs> with that that could go on for another hour if we got into andre pavlik discourse that <laughs> we would uh he had 18.5 goals saved above expected that year at all wow. situations uh Underrated. and then at five on five he had 9.1 which was 11th best in the league fringe top 10 would you look at that that's uh, higher than henrik lundquist <laughs> we are going to start a dialogue he's higher than <laughs> If Andre Pavlik played in the Rangers system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, let's, let's move on. We've got one final topic and it's the Kyle Connor. He's back. Um, and this shuffled up the lines. Nikolai Ehlers, as he has been over the past seven, eight years, got the demotion to the second line. Uh, if you're on podcast, I'm using air quotes because the second line is really the third line. And to be honest, they're almost the fourth line given their five, five on five time on ice. Um, so what do you make of, I mean, obviously we've made our thoughts very clear with Nikolai Ehlers on this podcast. We think he should have more playing time. He looked great in top line minutes. Um, and th they were very quick to demote him. Now that's not to say that Connor and Velarde didn't look good together. And I think they should give that a look. Um, and maybe now's the time to do it. Uh, I'll, I'll digress and you, you go ahead. Take, what are your thoughts on on Ehlers getting yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to keep it kind of short because like, I feel like the discourse has been running rampant ever since they released the morning skate lines um, uh, against the Islanders. Um, my whole thought on it is that you have a five week sample size of how Nikolai Ehlers on the top line has made the top line better over that time. He has the most five on five or he's tied for like the, like in the top five, uh, in five on five points over that time. Uh, the possession and shot numbers are unreal with that line. And typically when someone comes back from injury, you don't put them right back on that top line. We saw it with Velarde. He started uh, on the fourth line for a little bit in the first little bit of that game that he came back. Why is it that Kyle Connor? gets to get slotted right back into where he was. And Nikolai Ehlers, who has played the best hockey of his entire career, has to yeah. you know get relegated down to that second line, which I, I truly think that they're missing out here because Cole Perfetti and Kyle Connor seem like a match made in heaven with Perfetti's vision and passing and Connor's shooting ability. And then you have a guy like Nemestikov in the middle who will pick up any slack that has been left defensively. Yeah, that line would be so good and you could play them almost equally with the first line. Yeah. But immediately you drop Ehlers down and their ice time drops. Even with it, Adam it Lowry dropped. centering the top line. Dropped like a rock. It was pretty yeah. quick. Um, yeah. I, you keep going. I, I kind of cut you off there. It's just the thing that bothers me the most is I am a huge believer of if you deserve the ice time and you've earned the ice time, you should be given the ice time. 
And Ehlers yeah. has done nothing but earn and deserve that top line slot. And he did so much for the team in that, that position where that top line has been among the best in the league. His performance is the best in the league. Uh, people are taking notice. People are calling him the best forward on the jets. Um, yeah. And he, he, gets demoted because a guy who's been out for five weeks comes back. Like what, where is the, where is the reward in that? Like, yeah, we've, we've seen it all the way through and it's there. There's, there's clearly there's some sort of, you know, pre-existing notion that Ehlers shouldn't be a top line player within the coaching staff. And uh, I, all I say to that is uh, watch how he plays. Yeah. He turns the puck over occasionally because he's the only one skilled enough to try and bring the puck ac across the line uh and do it fast and some of the little things he does yeah they can be a little bit reckless but they've led to more goals than not and as i said like i've talked a lot about connor's defensive play he has the most goals on the jets yes but he's also been on the ice for i think the most goals against uh yeah. in that top line role it's like you're you're getting a better goal differential with Ehlers on that top line and yeah, we have a sample, like a very, like a three game sample size with uh, Connor. Uh, and at that point, it was Shifley and Velarde. And they were great. That was awesome. I'm sure they'll be great again. That's whatever. But you had a line that was working at the time. Why disturb that? And like, I, I feel like there's a hypocrisy floating around here where um, there's a lot of, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, uh, people around there, but are totally fine with this. Yeah, and the the to your point, Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton have been together for how long? And I'm not saying that line has been bad, but they definitely struggled at times. And uh, the Jets and Rick Bonus have had no issues keeping them together for the entirety of the year and playing them second line minutes. Um, Ehlers played 14 and a half minutes against the Islanders. Um, since Kyle Connor got hurt, he played 16 games, had eight goals, nine assists. And that top line outscored their opponents 15 4 at 5 on 5. Um, in terms of points at 5 on 5, um, that was Money Pucks tracking. So it's a little bit dicey in terms of, you know, if all three players were on the ice when the goal was scored, et cetera. Um, so like they scored 15 uh, as a line, but Ehlers himself had 18 points at 5 on 5, um, which since, what is that, November 30th, here's the list. Elias Pedersen, Nathan McKinnon, 19 points. Bo Horvat, Connor McDavid, Matthew Barzell, Nikita Kucherov, Nikolai Ehlers, 18 points. Those are your top seven scores in the NHL at 5-on-5 five five since November 30th. And Nikolai Ehlers, yes, he's managing an upper body issue. Um, frankly, I don't care. He he should not be playing 14 and a half minutes a night. It really doesn't make sense to me. Um, especially when Kyle Connor's making his first game back. We saw them ease in Gabriel Velarde when he came back from his knee injury. There was no easing in for Kyle Connor. Yes, I made the point earlier, if he's healthy, he's healthy. Um, but still, maybe playing him 20 minutes a night when he, he'll be rusty uh, might not be in their best interest. And uh, yeah, I feel like the Perfetti Ehlers discourse is not going to change this year. I feel, um, especially on this podcast, they're going to be not playing much. Third line. Even if Dominic Toninato is the center of the third line, they're going to get more minutes than Nikolai Ehlers, which is just puzzling. Um, well, the issue too is not only was Ehlers great on that first line, 
The second line of Ehlers, Nemestikov, Perfetti absolutely shoves. They are so good. Yes, like they. Great I, I believe they might actually be, in terms of expected goals, the Jets' best line since they were put together. Um, but they don't get the ice time. They're not rewarded for anything. Cole Perfetti's benched with like 15 minutes left in the third, and we don't we see him once. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, obviously the Jets are number one in the league. I get that. I understand that. But I also don't think we're above the fact that we can not question why things are being done that might even make us better. And as Rick Bonus would say, yeah, we're number one, but we still got things to clean up. So, like, I think you clean up a lot by just balancing your ice time between that second and third line, which we could get into more. Maybe we'll talk about it more next week, because especially because mm-hmm. he scored this week. But uh, um, we were talking about it uh, at school the other day where. Um, I think we have to have a conversation about Mason Appleton. Um, yeah. But that might be a conversation for next week. Um, yeah. But and no, I, I don't know about you, but I think that's about all the, you know, reasonable thoughts I can get out of my brain at this point without starting to just get unreasonably angry. <laughs> I I agree. I I do want to bring up one point that Murata Tesh made on uh, on Wednesday's show of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and that's, in the throughout this season, when the Jets, when there's a TV timeout and an offensive zone faceoff, so prime spot to get your best offensive players out there. TV timeout, everyone's rested, clean slate. Who do the Jets put out there? It's Mark Shifley and Adam Lowry, and it's their lines, right? So Mark Shifley will be alongside Connor and Velarde or whoever is on the top line, and they'll be the the line that goes out there in a high leverage spot. I'd like to see Perfetti and Ehlers get a few more high leverage offensive zone starts. Um, not sure who tweeted out the offensive zone starts last game, but that through 40 minutes, Ehlers, Nemeskov, Perfetti hadn't started a single shift in the offensive zone. And the Jets which is had where they like should be. Which is, yes, that that's that is exactly which, where they should be. I don't know. Maybe this conversation changes if the Jets go out and they you know acquire a, a legitimate second line center. Because yeah. at that point, too, you're sinking the cost into that line. And so you're obviously going to play them more. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a Palmore situation where you acquire Kevin Hayes and then play him on the third, fourth line. No. But no. at this point in time, they need to be playing more. And I understand there's the whole old argument of you know, face-offs because Nemestikov's not good in the draw. And I'll I'll admit that. He he yep. does. He, he's sitting somewhere between 30 and 40%, which is not, not ideal. Good. And I have a feeling that probably plays a role in why they don't start in the offensive zone. But what you also have to realize is that guys like Ehlers and Perfetti, they might not be the biggest guys. They get in there. Perfetti goes into board battles. Like it doesn't, he does not seem to care that he has had shoulder issues, back issues. He sends himself in there and and tries to get the puck. I think people don't see that because he's small, but it's true. And same with Ehlers just sends himself in there sometimes. And Nemesnikov, as we know, he's just one of those guys who just works really hard. So even if they lose the face-off, there's a chance they still come out with that puck. But I, I do legitimately think that we have a different conversation if they acquire someone else to play second-line center. And I, I do think legitimately that that is the one spot, if I had to choose, would yeah. be the one thing I would improve upon. So It's, uh, yeah. it's, tw- it's 2017-18 all over again. It's just, yeah. this team is a wagon and you know it. And there's just you got to get that two C. Got to get that two C. Vlad Nemeskov is the new Brian Little. Um, it's just yeah, there you go. getting re- getting replaced at two C year after year. Um, but yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. And maybe 
maybe it changes. Maybe there's a game coming up where they're down a goal in the third and uh, they get a lot of shifts and they're out there a ton. Um, but the face-off thing is hilarious to me because the Jets are the number one team in the NHL and, uh, and they suck at face-offs. It's like maybe maybe there's a... Uh, Maybe that doesn't matter as much. As it doesn't might. matter what happens when the puck hits the ice. It matters what happens after. Yeah, like defensive structure. Um, we've talked about that. We've talked about how great Hellebuck has been for checking. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more um, that goes into that. And we, I think, unless you have any more thoughts, I think that's going to wrap up the 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 bigger topics. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I want to plug that we have coming up and I'm super excited for, because we said we would do this months ago. Um, and we're finally, we found a time we're going to do it Friday. We're going to have Scott Wheeler of the athletic back on the program. And he is going to give us a rundown on the jets of the world juniors. Obviously Rucker McGrody came away with the gold. Elias Salmonson came away with the silver. Fabian Wagner was also in that game. All three jets prospects were in the gold medal game. So that's, that's an interesting note. There's also a lot of young players um, either with the moose, like Nikita Chibrikov, a uh, friend of the pod, Danny Jilkin, or Brad Lambert, a, uh, Brad Lambert, or a Cole Perfetti with the with the big club that we want to get Scott's opinion on. Um, and who better? He's he's the prospect guru. He's he's the number one guy for for NHL prospects. So we're super excited for that. You can expect that episode. Um, I believe the Jets play Monday, so maybe we'll we'll leave that for an off day. That might be next Tuesday, um, and then we'll be back with our regular recording next week to break down um, the three game road trip. And uh, the Jets play Saturday against Ottawa, Monday against Boston, Wednesday against the Leafs. Um, and then next Saturday, they're back home against the Leafs again, a home and home. Um, one Listen, of the... All they have to do is just let the Leafs get a multi-goal lead. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a guaranteed have... win. The, fun... the funny thing is there is a good portion of Jets fans, and I don't blame them. I'm not blaming these people. That if the, the Jets have been so successful this year, if they lose back-to-back games, the season's a failure. If they yeah. if they lose the home and home both games to the Leafs, the season is an absolute failure. It's it, it's just <laughs> I think it's a, a combo of the uh, the quantity and the opponent. Like yes. if it was back-to-back against someone random, it'd be like, oh man, that sucks. Against the Leafs, oh, what happened in the back-to-back against the Wild? How much drama came out of that? Uh, the Jets swept it, right? That was another one of their biggest rivals. Um, the Leafs, I don't know if it's one of their biggest rivals, but things always happen. Um, the Canada I think are... this is the first year in a while that you can legitimately look at the Jets and say, yeah, they're they're absolutely the better team. Um, they should win. Yes. They yeah. should win. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be really fun. And I can't wait to come back next week. We'll be breaking down. Um, they play Wednesday, so maybe we'll record Thursday um, and get our thoughts on that game, our fresh thoughts um and then preview the saturday game and the all-star break which rick bonus and connor hellebuck are heading to to represent the jets but uh yeah do you want to close this thing out or uh or should yeah, i yeah absolutely um yeah let's do it well don't forget to uh you know like subscribe on our youtube um we're slowly climbing up in the subscriber ranks so let's oh, let's yeah. keep that rolling um views are going up we've had a lot of you know a lot of views in our last few episodes so uh, it's nice to see that growing as always, you know, find us on your podcast platform of choice. You know, if you can give us a five-star rating and then just follow us on, uh, I mean, probably Twitter. That's really, that's probably where you're, you're going to find us most. Uh, yeah. so, um, I really just think that, uh, this next week, especially 
we're looking forward to it content wise with uh all the games uh you know, chat with scott wheeler uh it's gonna be a big oh, week yeah. for us so we're uh, we're looking forward to having you along for the ride so uh, for myself uh, and from Connor, uh, thanks for listening to episode 62. We'll be back with episode 63 next week at some point, um, and uh, we'll see you then. See ya. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 